Hi everybody, I'm Eric Arnault and this is Blank Cassette, the podcast that takes a close look at your mixes to get the stories behind the songs. This week, IO Chicago creative director Alex Honnett shares with us his all-timers, a playlist that tracks Alex's changing taste throughout his life. Along the way, Alex lets us in on his obsession with fish, how his love of comedy ended up affecting his musical experiences, and the exhilaration and heartbreak of creating something. If you have a mix you'd like to have featured on Blank Cassette, that's awesome! Email a track list and a brief description of why you made the thing to mixtape at nerdalogs.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, Blank Cassette is a Nerdalogs production. We make all sorts of cool stuff, like other podcasts, live shows, and even games. If you like this show, a cool thing to do is rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find it. And if you really like this show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdalogs. We frequently post bonus bits of interview from this very show to our Patreon page for donors who give $5 a month or more. And this week, we've got some extra FaceTime with Alex, who chats about, among other things, the toxic qualities of emo music and the differences between improv and music shows. Uh, Of course, the coolest thing you can do for the show, if you like it, is to keep listening. So thank you for doing that. Let's get to it. Hi, I'm Alex Honnett, uh, and we're about to listen to sort of like my all-timers playlist, where um, it's like all of like sort of the the key songs at points of development in my life that sort of like typified an era of music for me or something like that, you know? So there's like some clear breaks. It's like, um, there's basically like the first chunk of sort of like pop punk and emo, uh, and then I discover weed, and then out of weed I discover fish. And then out of that, like, I sort of get really into indie rock after, like, I was over fish. And then after college, and I'm not around, like, all of my friends all the time, I get really into just, like, sort of, like, sort of shitty pop music. And also, well, not really shitty, just, like, great pop music. And then off that, I get into very, very strange electronic music, which is kind of what I'm in right now is, like, oscillating between genres, but mostly, like, weird SoundCloud, like stuff like underscore video games and also like Carly Rae Jepsen style pop music and things like that, you know, female vocalists and sort of things, you know?
Shut Up Kids were like the real band that like got me into emo, you know? That song, Forgive and Forget. My friend Josh Hirschfeld, who's in the band Miracles of Modern Science, like share that MP3 with me, uh, I think over like AIM or something with that, like that. And I was like, this is great. This is like everything I want it to be. And we saw um, we saw them live uh, opening for Weezer like later on that year, I think like my freshman year of high school, right before I got into Fish. And they were so good. Get Up Kids are so good live, or at least they were back in 2000, 2000 you know what I mean? Like around that time. Um but I, I got – it was less the, – the cool thing about, you know, there was like a, a period right before that where I was just like buying a lot of music because I just – you know, I had got like 20 bucks a week in allowance. So I'd go buy music and then read the liner notes and like try to figure out other bands I should buy, the new bands. But this meant that I didn't have to get – like I could just get into specific songs by groups. So there's a song called Irish Car Bomb by Hot Water Music, I believe. That's another one of those like really great like sort of like angry – pre-screamo songs you know like i got out of it right as like thursday broke i was like thursday i don't like that you know so like all those sort of early uh like uh just pure emotive like you know before things got vindictive or mean uh that was my email get up in the morning slaving for bracer so that every mouth can't be fed
There's a lot of uh, similarities between being a, a person who likes fish and then being a person who discovers improv comedy. There, because no, no show is the same. You're always sort of chasing that perfect show that has like everything's represented so well about the band that you love or something like that. So I feel like loving fish really predisposed me for like the next phase of my life when I got really, really into long form improv and like sort of the community and culture around it. But yeah, the, you, fish has an incredibly insane back catalog. All their live shows are different. They, you have like different versions of the songs that are your favorites because they're all so different. And like each period of their careers was typified by like a different thing. So there's so and people are obsessed with them. So there's so much to read and know and listen and experience about them. Um, Fish was my favorite band by by far. Like I, I between like I think maybe 15 and 19, that was like almost all I listened to. Which it's like pretty formative years. You know what I mean? And there's only one fish song on here because it's so boring. No one wants to, unless you meet someone who's like really into fish, no one wants to talk to you about it or like, unless it's from like a cultural phenomenon set, st- like standpoint. But then you meet that person who like has that deep love of fish as you do too. And it's, it's like electric. It's so cool. You can like talk about your favorite versions of like, you know, like Reba or something like Better Harry Hood and like the different eras of fish, you know, the sort of things that you like. You know, I really liked Royal Tenenbaums when it came out, and then you're sort of around other people in college who are also very obsessed with it, and then you're like, oh, this is actually, like, a really good movie. And, you know, there's that, that uh, Elliot Smith song in there, and that scene, you're like, wow, that's, like, a really striking piece of cinema. You know, the first time you had sort of that that thought, you know? Um, but also, really interestingly, um, my sister, who is a tremend- tremendously cooler than me, became, like, an influence on my music taste because when I sort of got out of fish in some ways like she had been listening to really cool stuff for a while and i could just kind of like ape her taste and she was going through like a serious like smith phase at that point
song fireworks by um animal collective is like i think that's my senior year of college like personified it was, it was like a certain group of friends we were all kind of living together in the house with a concrete basement and we would just drink shitty beer and blast animal collective all the damn time and it was it was the best man it was such a such a fun time but that song really reminds me of i think like fall of my senior year of college before shit got too real you know, when you're in college and like everyone's just sort of stacked on top of each other in bunk beds and stuff like that, you just have like everyone's constantly playing music all the time. And so you're getting exposed to so many things based on people's specific choices, you know, like you don't really, you know, you can be like, turn that shit off, but they'll be like, fuck you. And then you're fighting and the music's like scoring the fighting or something like that. So the exposure is just so much more natural. And then when you leave and it's just like you're sort of finding your own things and you're having your own taste sort of affect things a little more, it just seems like that transition of like leaving school, I feel like I stopped listening to music for a while, you know, I think it's probably a normal thing, but I was just like, so like kind of taken up by everything that was going on for a little bit, you know, I, I was just like so focused on making moves into the real world and doing that sort of stuff. The year after I graduated from college, I got a job at an online marketing company. It was a great job. I was with that company for a really long time. But I got really into the uh, Canadian music review site Coke Machine Glow. And uh, they, I think, were – they were they, I think they started around the same time as Pitchfork. And they were kind of like sister sites for a while before Pitchfork kind of became the media conglomerate it is now, like the real like household name. And – uh, Coke Machine Glow doesn't even exist anymore. They stopped. They just exist sort of like a database of where stuff went. But like, um, it was kind of that early uh, to to like mid two thousands. Like, indie rock is going to save the world. Blogs, music blogs are important. I got really into kind of like that vibe for a while, and I bought like a ton of albums from their year end list of just out artists I had never heard of. You know, sort of that the intersection of just like um, expendable income for the first time, and also like. Uh, time in my hands at work to be able to read music reviews and like wonder more about them. 
There was this moment in my life after school. I had been doing improv for a while. And then uh, me and some friends were running uh, this venue uh, called the Upstairs Gallery, which is like an improv comedy venue. And uh, it was sort of like this this extremely fertile, wild time of my life where I kind of like figured out who I was and discovered myself in a very, very real way. I, um, but one of the things that happened was we were doing shows there. 
they were going really well. The people who were running the front room that we were running from let us know they were moving. So we took over that space. And then the person who was running the whole floor let us know that they were going to move. So we took over the whole floor. So I moved in the back. And the people who were there before us was um, this recording studio. So we bought a bunch of their stuff that had just sort of been lying around. And one of the things they had were these incredible speakers that were massive that they had just like used uh, for their like studio space to listen to the stuff. So I suddenly had these huge speakers, you know, like that had incredible bass and like I could crank it so loud. And suddenly all of this fucking like loud pop music or like sub bass stuff that was coming out, like future bass stuff, like I could just listen to it like as loud as I fucking wanted to. And it was like a revolution, you know, there was no one around. I had no neighbors, like besides people on the other end of like a concrete wall and I could just like fucking blast music. And I got so excited and like into really loud electronic music and pop music at that time. Uh, and that's like the, the real key shift right there when you start seeing like the Rusty and like um, Hudson Mohawk and all those sorts of folks pop up. I think what what really happened was once the gallery happened and I was listening to songs and imagining that how they would sound when played before a show or something like that. And that kind of became the kind of music that I liked to listen to was just like picturing like improv groups walking out to certain things. Like that just sort of like opened up a whole new door in terms of like how I approach this thing, you know, where I could have the stuff like, oh, it'd be really cool to introduce a group to this. And then I could do it that night. And it became like a fun way to like enjoy music, you know, like how is this going to play in the moment, like after a show or before a show or something like that. Boy.
What's interesting, I think that song, I had never heard that song before, and that song actually underscored the, our decision to kind of close the gallery, because we had been feeling for a very long time, you know, that it was either going to be have to become a job uh, and, like, work, or we were just going to close it and have it be a time of our lives, and we kind of made the decision that that's what we wanted to do, because none of us ever started it as, like, this idea of, like, something we'd want to make serious money from or try to, like, hang our careers on, and um, so uh, I was watching a, a Levon Helm documentary, uh, the, you know, the one about him sort of dealing with death and, and starting to die. And he plays that song for a couple seconds. And I was like, God, that was so good. And, and my girlfriend was like, oh yeah, the band covered that song. So I, I put it on Spotify the next day as I was walking, you know, making the commute to work or something like that. And I started crying. It was just like, you know, that line, everything dies, maybe that's a fact, but maybe everything dies and day comes back, like really, really hit me very hard. And at the last night the gallery was open, um, Tyler Parker sang that. Uh, sort of as like a goodbye to the space it was like so that song is incredibly emotional to me in a way that you know you like <laughs> I don't know if you get many other moments like that as you hit your 30s and it's maybe like your child being born or something like that but a project that you put so much of yourself into that defined like a, a huge era of your life and kind of gave you the step like the direction forward and there's a song that kind of like spells out the feelings you had when it was ending is like you know you don't get a gift like that <laughs>
I just hadn't heard something that was like that fucking sad, you know. Like, it just like that would that music will speak to anyone at any point in their life and communicates like a deep, deep sad. You know what I mean? It's like instantly nostalgic. It, you instantly are like transported to like when you felt that deeply about stuff. You know, um, it's it's impossible not to feel that way. You know, hearing that thing. And the the last time I was maybe like that, like emo kid, teenager, sad was like a few. Um, maybe like a, a few months ago or a few, maybe like a year ago uh, someone wrote something in a journal about the gallery uh, and it was like the first thing that like had ever been written about the gallery in like an improv journal that was academic and they were sort of detailing why their experience in Chicago like had to come to an end because it was unhealthy for them and like they didn't I feel like did a good job project, protecting the gallery and so it, it came across as like a, a big diss it felt like and it made me really really sad you know, in a way that I, I don't, you know, you don't feel that way very much about stuff anymore when you're a grown up, you know, and you have real problems and all that stuff. So I, I remember I walked, I bought a pack of cigarettes, and I walked around listening to that album, and I was like, man, this is like, this is really fucking speaking to me right now, you know? Like to get those, and it's like the thing of like, uh, well, you know, I'm not gonna feel this sad again about something because for a while I might as well really like wallow in this. I feel like I've been a, like a very lucky person in that I I really cared a lot about music for a long time and it was definitely something that I got to uh, love. So I have like all these great kind of like muscle memory things from certain songs and like certain grooves. Um, there is this idea and oh God, it's so strange to try to communicate because I've never really been able to, but it, it's, it's not like a feeling it's sort of like a color, you know, of certain parts of your life, you know, where it, like that's the closest thing I can kind of think of is like color coloration in a movie or something like that, where it's like certain parts of your life have certain like tints and like hues to them. And like it's wrapped up in like how you felt and who you were and all those sorts of things. And um, it's it's not a feeling that I can really put any words to. Uh, but there are like parts of my life where I just remember like, oh, that was that sort of tint. Like I can't name it what it is at all, but like that's what it was. That's who I was then at that moment. And music is the most incredible way I think of being transported back to that feeling. You know, you'll never feel that way again fully, but like just sort of like getting to that groove for a second and remembering what it, it, what, what it was to be that tint or that hue or something is I think one of the most incredibly valuable things about music and something that I really love. You've been listening to Blank Cassette, a Nerdalogs production. All the music you just heard has been presented for critical and historical purposes only. If you liked what you listened to, check out full songs via our Spotify playlist or buy the songs on iTunes. Supporting the arts is the best. If you'd like to hear some bonus material that didn't make the final edit, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash 
And for more information on the Nerdalogs and our shows, go to www.nerdalogs.com. Yeah.